Welcome to the One Church Home podcast. This podcast is directly tied to our weekly teachings. If OCH isn't your home church, we encourage you to get plugged into your local body. We pray the sermon blesses you as we press into the Word of God together. I, uh, I'm always, I feel like I wear it all out of my sleeve with you guys, so I'm going to continue to do that. I just want to say, some days you just don't have it. Some days you wake up and, and, and you, you know, you, you got plenty of sleep, you took all your vitamins, you did all the stuff, and you still just don't feel it. And that's where I'm at this morning. I don't know what it is. I got up this morning, everything was good, worship was amazing, and I got up to preach, and I just went, what's that? It's on me. Something's on me. I go up to my office and sit between services and draw the blinds and just go, God, what? And I just don't feel it. And I sense the word of the Lord telling me it's not about a feeling. And and I just would encourage you as the body of Christ, as your pastor, I want to tell you, sometimes I don't feel it, but we show up and we do it anyways. We we do the right thing anyways. We, We don't need to be the kind of people that are allowing our feelings or lack thereof to define what we do or how we behave or how we interact with that which God has entrusted to us. And so vulnerably, I want to tell you today, I don't feel it, but I'm going to show up and I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to do that which God has entrusted me to do, and my encouragement and exhortation is that you would do likewise. That that even though today you might be going, God, I'm ready to go. I've got reservations at those. Wait, we're fasting. No, it's... I've got to go get bread and milk because there's no, 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 we're fasting. <laughs> that you'd show up, that you'd do what God's told you to do, that you, would, that you would follow through. It was on me enough after first service, Pastor Steve goes, my buddy's not okay, what's wrong? And I went, I don't know. But the reality is, is like, it's okay not to be okay sometimes. It's okay to just go, man, I'm just having a day, but I'm going to show up for my marriage. I'm going to show up for my kids. I'm going to show up for my job. I'm going to show up for the people of God because I'm not here to be led by my feelings. Maybe that's what we're supposed to talk about. (laughs) Oh, I say all that to say, pray for me. And let's show up anyways. Today we began a series Starting off the year, it seems fitting to, to, to jump in to the Word, right? It's, I get so weirded out nowadays. With, you just never know what, what, what churches are going to teach. And it's like, I just feel more and more burdened to get back to just teaching God's Word, not our ideas. Like, there's just something about that that feels safe. I'm going to jump up and down on God's Word because it's His Word. And so... Uh, and so as we've looked at and planned for, you know, I've got these series lined up and I kind of had a bunch of different ones that I was thinking about and praying through at the end of the year. Uh, I've got a, a series that I want to preach called a, 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 a Woke Church Broke World. That's going to come at someday. And, and I've got other series that I'm excited about, I'm pumped up about, and, and something just got all over me. No, 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 we're not going to do any of those series. 
we're going to jump into the Gospel of John. Why? Because God's Word needs to be proclaimed now more than ever. We want to stop having wokeness come into the body of Christ. We don't need to just talk about that. We need to talk about what's true, what's good and right and faithful. And, and so, so as we pursue this, I want you to know this is purposed and even ordained by God. That, that as we start off this year, we're going to anchor this year in His Word, in the Gospel of John. And, and, and I'm excited about that because I love the Gospel of John. God, John's Gospel is, is unique. You see, the first three uh, Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are all, they're all amazing, right? Like, you know, whole book's good. Read it. But, but the truth is, is John's is unique. You see, the first three are the synoptic Gospels, but John stands alone as G4 oftentimes. Gospel 4 is, is, is how it's talked about by the commentators because John's Gospel is this unique expression. Unlike the others, it doesn't take time talking about, about what uh, happened early on in Jesus' life. It doesn't articulate all the same details that some of the other Gospels uh, 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 proclaim, which we need all of them, right? It's not like one's better than the other. I don't want to, you know, get tweeted about here. But, but the reality is, is John has this unique expression of who God is, and it's the latest Gospel to be written. So out of all of them, you know, the other three had been compiled and then some would even say that John's followers, the, the followers of John, that came and, and finally said, hey, you've got to say this, and, and you've got to share this. And he, he had a burden on his heart to express the life and ministry of Christ, the gospel of Jesus, in a very special, and as we'll see, a specific way. You see, John wrote the gospel of John, even though if you go back and look, it's really interesting. Some of you are going, well, obviously. I'm like, well, where'd you figure that out? The name? <laughs> uh, Touche. <laughs> no, but did you know the book of John doesn't actually say who wrote it? It doesn't say this is the gospel presented to you by John. It just starts in the beginning. Was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Who starts a book like that? There's another one that starts like that. In the beginning, God. You see, there's this prolific and even prophetic voice that John is using to capture our attention right away to say, let me tell you who I'm talking about. This isn't just any book. This is the gospel as according to John. And he wrote this book and others, and he had this overwhelming theme in all of his authorship. Uh, almost a, uh, like, simple-minded guy. <laughs> it seems really audacious to say. I hope he doesn't punch me when we get up there. But, it, it, you know, so many people have, you know, different seasons. I have different themes in my life, and I have different things to say, and I and I want to share about this. And then now this is a burden to me. And, you know, so now, like for me, it's hobbies. Like I really get into, you know, at one point I tried cycling and that didn't work. And, but I got all the stuff for it. And then, you know, I try this thing. And, you know, now I'm into CrossFit. And, you know, it's like then my knees. And then it's like, 
well, now I want to do this thing. And so we have these themes and hobbies that we jump into. John had one hobby, one theme, one desperate need to share with the world. And that was this, Jesus is God. And I'll tell it to you, and then I'm going to tell it to you, and I'm going to tell it to you again. I, I don't even know how to preach this. Like This is going to be a short message because it's a short reality. John constantly, I'm spitting. John constantly and repeatedly told people, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. Jesus is the sovereign king of the universe. Jesus is God. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the sovereign king of the universe. Jesus is God. And he just said it and said it and said it again. And, and, and he wasn't ashamed of it. He wrote five books. Do you know what they are? Well, the first one's easy, it's John. The second one's really easy, it's 1 John. The, the third one's easy, it's 2 John. And the fourth one's easy, it's 3 John. The fifth one, weirdly enough, he didn't put his name on it, it's Revelation. But do you ever, have you ever read the subtext under Revelation? Turn there in your Bible. It says the revelation of who? Jesus Christ. Oftentimes we misunderstand that book to be this apocalyptic, you know, uh, uh, kaleidoscope of reality. It's like, no, the, 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 the book of Revelation is the unveiling, the revealing of one person. It is not a book about the end times. It is a book about Jesus. And so, so John has this burden on his soul to repeatedly over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Tell us that Jesus is the great king, the sovereign Lord of all. And, and, and he has this burden to say it and say it and say it again. And then in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, he finds out that a bunch of Jesus' followers are starting to say really crazy things like Jesus wasn't really God, that Jesus wasn't really the Lord, that Jesus was just a good teacher. And he, I mean, there's scathing remarks by the guy because he's going, listen, you want to know if Jesus was real? I was there. I was with him. I saw him do it. You can't tell me Jesus wasn't, wasn't who he said he was, that he wasn't a real man. I touched his wounds. And so who are you going to tell me that Jesus isn't real? Jesus is real. That's all 1st, 2nd, 3rd John's about. It's, he says it nicer than that. But, but he just keeps saying, look at Jesus. And while the other three gospels portray Jesus as king and a servant and a son of man, John portrays Jesus as the son of God himself. And, and it's imperative that as we, as we journey into this year and we, we listen and heed the vision of the house to, to grow up toward him, that the only way we grow up is by beholding his glory. That, that we're not going to grow up by having really good, insightful, you know, self-help stuff going on. That's good. Buy your books. But like, we need to look upon him if we want to grow up toward him. And that's how simple this is. That anything else is just charades and facade and goofiness. That we don't have to come up. I love what Faith said during worship this morning. There's like one thing that draws us back. Jesus lived. Jesus died. Jesus rose again. And he's coming back. And we can say it and say it and say it again and we're going to worship like heaven till he comes. 
And we're not just going to sit in our Christian bubble, but we're going to go change the world because of it. See, that's the body of Christ at work, and that's the call of God on our life, and that's the need of the gospel of hope. And that's why we're starting in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. You see, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. You see, the first thing I want to talk to you about, the first thing I see John doing is helping us understand the proximity of Jesus. He, he's helping us understand where Jesus was through the whole picture. And it's important to note that he was in the beginning with God and eventually we'll see was God. You see, unlike the other Gospels, which commence their story about Jesus in the ministry of either John the Baptist or stories about Jesus' birth, the Gospel of John begins with this pre-existent word. He says, in the beginning was the word. They're defining Jesus with this very unique name, a name that for us we might have heard before. You know, So what does the word mean in Greek? It's logos or logos, depending if your country. This pre-existent Logos who became the incarnate Jesus. The, the prologue of this story introduces the one uh, to the readers before the story properly even begins. It, it, it's expressing this reality, this, this eternal reality right out of the gate. He, he, he's quoting the book of, of, of Genesis and he's putting in this massive word. Logos is not just a word. It's an idea. It's a whole belief system. You see, for, for us, we hear it and we go, in the beginning was the word. And my initial question is, was it NKJV? ESV? NIV? NLT? No. Just kidding, you can read your word. Right, it wasn't, he's not saying in the beginning was the Bible. He's saying in the, in the beginning was the word. What, what does he mean by that? Well, if you were a reader in that time, you would have been massively familiar with this. John's audience would have been familiar with this term. They would have known that logos, the word, meant more than just word, but it was a word bigger it was the ultimate expressed reality of our world. So when we say Jesus is the word, understand the massive implications of this. Jesus is the express expression of sovereign light from heaven into the earth. You see, the Greek philosophers, they, they didn't care about, you know, the thing. They wanted to know what the thing behind the thing was. They, they, they thought bigger. You know, stuff where people ask questions and you're like, dude, I, don't, I'm, I haven't had enough coffee. I can't talk about that. Greek philosophers, they wanted to talk about that. They, that's how they thought. And they came up with this term, logos, as the pre-existent ultimate reality. Others would say this. 
It was the old original design, the original intent, the original purpose. That, that when we think about the, 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 the origin of all, the, the, the ultimate reality of all, that, that it's also the original design of all. And so he's saying in this one short word, Jesus is the word. He's saying, no, Jesus is the pre-existent, incarnate, expressed reality of heaven into the earth. He is the original design. He is the maker of all, the beginning of all. He wasn't at the beginning, just there. He was from the beginning. So at the beginning, he had already began to exist. And, And so there's this constant repetitive nature of trying to express this is the origin of everything. And it's like, the, they don't let me touch the, the, the instruments up here often. So I'm just going to get close and make them nervous. But, but right, if you wanted to know about this drum set, should you ask the drummer? Well, in this house, probably so. But what if we brought in, I don't even know if that's the brand. It could be Tama might be the brand. I should have done research. But if you want to really know about this drum set and the capabilities of it and the way it was intended, if you brought the designer of this drum set in the room, they could answer your questions. They, they, could, they could start to tell you, no, 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 when we created, the, okay, don't touch. But, but when I created this, it was intended to do this. You know, if, if they came in here and I was walking around just slapping it on the side, they'd be like, that's not what it was meant to do. And that's like, I appreciate that you're carrying it around like, you know, the little drummer boy, but like, that's not how it's designed. Put it down, put it straight down, put a kick in front of it, and, boom, boom, and you're going to find that it actually does what it was meant to do. It's going to be used in a way it was intended to. That's the same reality. Y'all, this is a little sidebar. How many of us as Christians forget that Jesus is the original designer? That his, the expression of God into the earth through Christ is the picture of of humanity's original intent. So should we follow his ways in order to live the optimal way that humans were designed? I'd say probably so. It's a good start. It it, it certainly couldn't hurt to to, to let him teach us how it was meant to be. And and that's all loaded up. That's That's all wrapped up. In this word, in the beginning was the word. John said all that. It took me, I don't know how to, maybe 10 minutes to say what he said in one sentence. In the beginning was the pre-existent, incarnate expression of heaven to earth of what was intended at the design of humanity. This is who we speak of. So he starts by talking about this proximity. Where was, where was the word? The word was with God in the beginning. Like Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. You see, in the beginning is a huge reality shift, stating that God didn't start at the beginning. He was always and will always be I am. That's where the word was. See, this is the first brick, right? He's, he's laying this, this wall. He's putting this wall together for us. This, 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 he's building this up to go, listen, I want you to understand the building blocks of who all Jesus is. And the first one you need to know is that he was with God 
And then he goes on to start talking about if the first thing is the proximity of Jesus, the second thing is he's talking about the divinity of Jesus. He's saying, and the word was God, and all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. That's one of those, if you don't read it slow, you're going to mess that one up. That was made, 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 and not, it doesn't matter. Our second major observation is that that needs to be remembered and understood is that John is outright saying, Jesus is God. In the first sentence of the first chapter of the first book he writes, Jesus is God. And he's He's not, you know, so it's always important, you know, if you find yourself reading the scripture, reading the Bible, and you find a revelation of God, an expression of who he is, you know how you know if it's true or not is if that expression can be duplicated or found in other places of the Bible. It's using the Bible to interpret the Bible. So we want to do that. We want to go, where else does it say this sorts of things? And this one, we could look all over the place. We could look at Colossians. I'm choosing Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. It says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past by the father or to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom he also made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. So see it, look at this. He, he spoke the word, right? The logos, the logos is what? The word of God, the spoken word of God is the, is the life of Christ into the earth. And it says that he, Jesus, is the heir of all things. That means he's the recipient of all of the nature of who God is. He's the heir, and, and then he affords us to become co-heirs. We'll see in other places. He's the conduit by which God made the world. He, again, the word, the spoken word, the logos. He's the, he is the expression of God, of creation into the earth. And he is the express image of the Father, the writer of Hebrews says. This word, express image of the Father, is, 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 is the word, it's... Uh, it's like a stamp, except it's bigger than that. It's heavier than that. It's, it's the actual uh, uh, mold by which they would stamp and print coins. So if you're the express image of the Father, it's detailed, it's perfect, it's repeatable, it's happened. He says, man, he is, Jesus is everything uh, 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 expressed into the world that is the Father. Where else do we hear stuff like this? John 5, Jesus says himself. Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, because he's the express image of the Father, for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him, Jesus, greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. So now we have, we have John in the beginning saying this. 
We have the writer of Hebrews saying this, and then we have an account of Jesus himself affirming this. All of that to say that Jesus is undoubtedly and, 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 and without question the divine Son of God and the expression of God onto the earth. It's imperative in a world that's, I mean, I say this probably too much, just gone crazy. In a world that, that, that like you look, turn on the news and you just immediately like, nope, turn that off. Seems like worse than the movies that my parents would let me watch. You know, it's like, when we look at this world that's trying to teach us about about God in a way that's just wrong, that, that's trying to teach us that there's, there's all these different ways to interpret Jesus and, and if he was even real and what he is and what he's not and, and he's not that big a deal and he's just a, a human or he didn't even exist or, or you know, the, we fill in the gaps with these crazy narratives about, about degrading the divinity of Jesus. I, I just would remind you of C.S. Lewis' words in Mere Christianity. He said, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claims to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sorts of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. I love this. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell himself. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool or you can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He hasn't left that open to us. He didn't intend to. Now it seems to me obvious that he was neither lunatic nor a fiend. And consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely as it may seem, I have accepted the view that he was and is God. You see, Jesus is being expressed to us through the, through the apostle, through the disciple John, the one whom Jesus loved, that's how he called himself. I like that. He's expressing to us this, this massive prophetic reality that, that before we get into what Jesus did, you need to understand who he is. That he is the risen king of the universe. That he is above all things and before all things. That it is through him that all things were created. And he's going to say it. And he's going to say it. And he's going to say it again. And it's not that our, our understanding elevates, right? When we talk about maturing, it's not that we get more mature to hear that word. And go, yeah, yeah, but what? Yeah, yeah, but nothing. That's what matters here, is that as we explore this great gospel of John, we need to remember that he is, he is with God and he is God. And then we need to turn and understand that he holds all authority of God. It says in verse 4 that in him was life, and life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness didn't comprehend it. Beloved, my prayer as a pastor in the body of Christ in 2024 
is that we wouldn't be people that behold light and don't comprehend it. That, that we would be people who boldly proclaim the reality of who he is and that we see him clearly and we understand what he's trying to say. We understand what he's doing. We understand how to, how to respond to him in faithful obedience to the king. You see, maturing doesn't mean that we stand up with a bolder chest. It means we're faster to kneel down and surrender before him. To say, whoa, who am I? You see, if I, if I think about maturity, you know, everything about this world tells me to grow up and, and, and get older and, and get wiser and get more debt. And, you know, so... Stand tall and be the, be, the, be the man, be this, be that. Or be the, the maturing in Christ means I'm faster to kneel down faster than ever to say, God, I can't do this apart from you. You are the king of the universe. You're the sovereign logos, the, the spoken reality. You are the, the original design. You're, the, you're before all things and from all things. And it's only by your mercy that I'm even here. So God, have your way in my life, in my marriage, in my children, in my workplace, in my church. God, have your way. Use me however you want to. That's the posture of maturity. And so we look at this and realize he is the great authority. Because he is the incarnate word, we can undoubtedly arrive at the conclusion that he is God and he is sovereign and that he's from the beginning and that it's by him which creation is made and the only light that can be expressed from heaven onto the earth is through him. People want to say nonsense like C.S. Lewis called it. That feels, you know, if you quote C.S. Lewis, you're good. They want to say this nonsense, like Jesus is just one way, there's many ways. I, I just, that's not what he said. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him because you've seen me. You see, Jesus... If we're going to teach who he is, we have to look at who he is. We can't look at our ideas of how we've made him in our head. You know, you can say you worship God, but if you worship a God who doesn't align to the scriptures, you worship an idol and you call him Jesus. I know what Jesus said because it's written down. I know the truth of the scripture because it's been canonized in this book. And so this is a word from God to us. And, and if it's in here, it, it, it's, it's not that this page is holy, but the things written on it are holy. And therefore we can adhere to what it says and understand that if that is not in this book, then it's not true. So even though you feel like, you know, that, that well, God wouldn't say that he's the only way, the problem is like he did. And you got to deal with that. I got to deal with that. I have to, I have to figure that out. I, I can't be the kind of person. Like how arrogant are we as a people to think that we are capable of philosophically deciding what's good and bad in the eyes of God? Where do we get off? 
Like, why, why, why do we think that's okay as a society to start to go, you know who's more equipped to deal with all humanity and the problems therein? Me. I've been here 38 years. I know how this goes. It's like, really? You weren't even sure if you should show up to church today, and you're the pastor. I'd say let's leave it to the big guy, you know, like. And so in, in reality, we got to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. God, you are the authority of our life. That's what John is saying here. And the question we've got to ask really quick, right out of the gate, right off the, right off the jump is, where have we held back surrendering authority to the king? Because even though we're here and we love worship and we're in our new building and it's exciting, We've got to start asking the question, man, where am I holding back because I know best? I believe that's what, that's what John's speaking to us is before we get into talking about this whole story of who he is and what he's done and, and how, he, how he interacted with the world, we need to realize that we're not dealing with just some man who came and walked among us. We're dealing with the king of all eternity that has been amongst us, that came into the world to save us from our sin and that captured our heart and drew us back to him. And he's the only way to go home. And so when we talk about him, we need to evaluate where is it that I've cherry-picked and perhaps have grabbed, like, I really like this part. I don't like this part. It's a little sweaty. And I'm not sure about this. Like, like, where is it that we need to relinquish control and say, God, have your way in my life? I know for me, like, there's things I want to do this year and I want to become like, and unless I reorient the way I, the perspective I have, I'll never change. What day is it? It's the 14th. We're two days past the new you, most of us. 12 days is when is when everybody stops doing their, their you know, uh, New Year's resolution. So it's like we're, we've reverted back already to our old patterns and ways. Not in this house. Why? Because we're becoming more like him. And so we're not going to rely on our own instinct or understanding. And we're going to submit to the authority because he is in the proximity and he is God. And so as we express to him the desperate need of, 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 of his presence in our life, we trust that he'll be faithful to come through. See, we're embarking on a journey this year to grow up together in him, in the logos, in Jesus, in the designer, in the one who came into our world that we could go to his. And as we behold him in the gospel of John, my prayer is that we would take action, that we would lean in and trust him to be our Lord like never before. You see, John is undoubtedly beginning this book by telling us who Jesus really is so that he can anchor us in a posture of humility and submission that we might walk into this, this time in the Word together, that we would start eating this book together, that we would start, start revering Him together, that we would start submitting mutually together to the authority of the sovereign King of all the earth. If the other gospel accounts depicted the humanity or the purity of Jesus, the overarching theme of this book will be Behold His Glory. And as we move ahead in this, we need to prepare to behold him like we haven't before. 
And then watch and see how he draws us and calls us to a submission to him that he might then use the, the, the weakest things, the, that which is surrendered to him, that which is, is bowed down before him, he might use that weak thing to be expressed strong in the earth. 